0: Hey everybody, it's Angela the blah blah blonde. Um, so this segment is probably going to be a little different, but anyone that knows me knows that I am a huge Caesar Milan fan. Like I have watched all of his shows, and and just you know, I just think that what he does is is amazing, and it has affected how I how I am around my dogs and and anybody else's dogs actually really. <clears throat> and so i'm watching his new show on national geographic called um better human better dog and um i don't know if if any of you listeners uh n- heard back when he was having his struggles that he had attempted suicide and he took he said he took enough pills to to kill five people so um but one of the episodes he there was a lady that was really struggling through the pandemic and stuff and uh It was uh, causing her uh, to have a codependent relationship with her dog, who was a big chocolate lab, and he was pretty much dominating the whole house. Anyways, and so, um... So, she was breaking down and telling, you know, Caesar what... Why she was, you know, had to... Why she had treated her dog the way that she did and stuff. And, you know, and that she, you know, tried cutting... Started to cut herself and, and... so on and so forth and he shared his story with her about his attempted suicide and what he felt and and how he felt and why and you know when he was going through his divorce and uh as 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 confident and as successful as he's been in his all of his endeavors probably at least all the ones that are in the public eye it's just refreshing to see someone who says, hey, you know, I'm just like you. I, I struggled with this, this and this. I even attempted suicide. And, you know, my dogs also saved me. Like, because that's what she was saying, that her dog saved her. And so she just, she had a special bond with him, which was fine. But she just wasn't making, he, he was the leader of, the, of their pack. So, and that wasn't cool, but it just goes to show you, I mean, how far spread mental illness really and truly is, it's like, it doesn't matter, it's kind of like addiction, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, how much money you have, what kind of success or failures you have in life, um, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, it doesn't matter about any of that stuff, it just is, you know, and so... Our job is to figure out the best way to work through it health, in a healthy manner and not in a self-sabotaging, addictive, you know, kind of flying by the seat of your pants, I mean, like kind of a way. There are so many places to get tools for your mental health toolbox, and it's so important that you practice those tools in a calm state because whenever you need them, they need to be second nature like you know that way you've already trained your brain kind of you know like like a fire drill you already know what to do in your head you know so it, it you automatically just go do it because you practiced it so much and that's really 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 important um because that's if you cuz what happens is okay so you have these tools in your toolbox um let's use like a grounding technique like you know monitoring your breath just 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 telling yourself to breathe in breathe out with your eyes closed in a sitting place just breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out you know that kind of thing so let's say that you have that or any other tools but let's say it's that one the grounding technique and you go into a panic attack Um, like if you don't already know how to do that then what's gonna happen is you're gonna have the panic attack You're going to not use your technique, but in your head, you're going to be thinking, oh, wow, well, even, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of tools I have, they don't work. They don't work because you probably aren't going to do it correctly or at all. And so now you're thinking that you have all these tools and what good are they? If they, if they're not going to help you in the situation when you absolutely need them to help you, then it's just a, it's a moot point, you know, like there's no, there's no point. And that just, that will just exacerbate whatever you're already feeling. And, um, I can say all this with a, with very much certainty because, because it happens to me, you know, like you got to have, you got to have your, when your brain goes into fight or flight mode, you know, you're, you're armed for bear, you know, you just, you, 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 you got to do something, and it's got to be urgent, and it's got to be right then, and otherwise, it just, if you're not already in a panic attack, it will, it can cause a panic attack, and so whatever, whatever you're experiencing, you need to be able to t- to talk yourself off the ledge, you know, kind of in your mind, so it's, it's super important to just, You know I think I've talked to y'all before about the three B's back up breathe and be quiet that that works in in a tense situation with another individual but it also works in a tense situation with yourself you know just for me I have to back up and close my eyes and just focus on my breathing that's that's what I do Um, if I get and I try to like a lot of times I just try to leave the situation but sometimes that's not always possible and really, that's kind of not what I'm... I mean, if it's a dangerous situation between individuals and somebody's going to get hurt, then yes. Then I will I will definitely get away from that. But if it's just something that I'm going through mentally with myself, not to downplay that in any way, shape, or form, but I would prefer to work through it than to run from it. That's just me. You do whatever makes you the most comfortable, however you want to handle it. But just know this, that the more you practice your, your tools the the faster you're going to be able to just pull something out. And then if that doesn't work, you can you can go to the next one and then maybe come back to the first one. I don't know, the breathing always works for me. So, um but I had to practice it a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. So, you know, whenever I'm emotionally unstable, I go to the breathing and I just repeat to myself this is this too shall pass. This too shall pass, you know. It's just it's not a forever kind of moment. So, um, and it really does help, and and you know, talking about it does help, because um, let me look. The triggers are out there. Whatever you're, whatever you're going through, whatever, whatever your your head is telling you is not necessarily what is the truth right in front of you. It's not really. Your, it doesn't always have to be your reality you can change that narrative by simply how you react to it and some things you know are just it's just like a kid or a dog or whatever if you stop reacting in a if you stop reacting negatively to negative behavior then the other party will get disinterested and go find something else to do you know that's why you don't give in to children's temper tantrums and you don't you don't you don't baby a dog that's that's jumping up on people and and you know you you don't reward bad behavior and once that once you stop doing that it's kind of like bullies you know once once they they you're not scared of them anymore then they usually move on to someone else which is not cool but at least they're not bullying you you know um but it's kind of it's kind of like you know which dog do you which which animal are you going to feed i think i talked about that in a recent episode but um maybe that was just in my head I don't know um I think it was in my head because I was thinking about Daniel who has now graduated to fentanyl more than the heroin and I just (laughs) I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that but anyways I digress um, so yeah the more tools that you have in your toolbox that you know how to use because they're no good to you if you don't know how to use them right if you don't if you have a whole full tool set to do home rep- home repairs and you don't know how to do anything you don't know how to use the tools in your little toolbox your house is gonna fall down you know like that kind of thing I mean it's it's essentially just the same thing except mentally and emotionally you know if if your way to find your center is to take a walk, take a walk. You know, whatever you do, whatever you need to do to take care of you. Everything else will will be fine. I mean, naturally, don't, don't leave small children unattended to go do this walk. You know, strap them up, put them in a stroller. Kids and dogs love to be outside walking or strolling or whatever. So, you know, if it's a stressful time for you, it's going to be a stressful time for them because they both feed off of our energy anyways so that was just one of some of my observations I think that it's really it's almost any show that you watch nowadays uh, covers talks about suicide which is great because they're covering it but at the same time it's pretty sad because they're having to you know but I do I do appreciate that they are opening the dialogue to at least people that may not think that they have anywhere to turn and showing that the suicide prevention hotline and all that that's to me is 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 a strides in the right direction so all right i'm going to talk to y'all again soon thanks for listening hey y'all this is angela the blah blah blonde um so i always look on hulu netflix any of the other streaming platforms or whatever for shows that I can binge watch more often than not they're true life crime stuff um, I especially like the ones from Texas, but really just anything from all over because you have to know what people are capable of and it just it never fails never ceases to amaze me at the degree of evil that is truly out there I mean honestly. So my newest binge show is called Crime Beat, and it's basically, it's basically like kind of like a Dateline, but uh, the actual reporters that reported on the the story at the time are the ones that are kind of, you know, the main focus and in, in telling the story, and then they have, you know, the the other people involved, the detectives, the family, whatever. Anyways, <clears throat> so the first one I watch is of this crime beat is um it's called Mika Jordan the Broken Princess. This little girl was six years old. Her parents were divorced and both remarried. Her mom her stepdad dad loved her like she was his own. And she had a little brother named Levi also. He was two years younger. And then, but they spent half the time with one set of parents and half the time with the other. So, <clears throat> at one point, they're both still with the dad and stepmom. And they're three days late from being delivered back to their their, her, their mother's house, according to the court order. And basically, the parents, this, the dad and stepmother spent four days torturing this six-year-old little girl. So much so that the that the, the after she was after she died, uh, her little brother at four years old said that he hated his middle name because he was named after his dad, and he never wanted to see his dad or stepmother ever again. And he would and he was terrified of them. Um, basically, in Canada, they use this thing called the Mr. Big operation, where they situate themselves as an organized crime. Uh, Operation, organization, or whatever, and reel in the the people that are suspected because they're usually criminals or criminal minded, anyways, with jobs and and you know concerts and and nights out and trips and just blah 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 whatever, and then basically they have to sit down. It comes to the point where you know the heat's on them really bad, and the crime boss quotation air quote air quotes crime boss um, needs to know, where, you know, what they actually did and so that he could get them representation or he could protect them or whatever, but he needs to know that, that, you know, they could trust each other, la, 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 And that's how they get him to confess because at this point, basically the stepmother called and reported that her little girl, her daughter, whatever, had fallen down the stairs and she wasn't breathing. She was emotionless, emotionless in this 911 call. Like, she could have been reporting the weather, I mean no joke and and a couple of days before that she had called and asked uh like a like a telemed or something asked about a burn on uh on her daughter's hand, and she said she you know caught her playing with a, a straight- an a straightener when in reality she had held Mika's hand for she she restrained the girl between her legs and held her hand and and burned her with the lighter for thirty seconds. Third degree burns, thirty seconds on a six year old. Um she was repeatedly pushed down the stairs. Then she had to run run the stairs, run laps up and down the stairs with her hands bound. Um the Dad said that at one point he really lost his temper with her and just punched her full on in the stomach and didn't hold back and that bounced her off of the, in between two cabinets six to, six to eight feet apart or inches apart um, she was pushed down the stairs where she hit her head on ceramic tile repeatedly and and then she died when the last time she felt she fell air quotes again down the stairs. And you know, they showed videos of this little girl. She was the most beautiful little girl you've ever seen, and just so happy. I mean, her mom and stepdad had videos of her singing and dancing and play. You know, and the the stepmonster was saying, you know, well, she was known to be a liar. <laughs> She's six. I mean, seriously. And even if she was, that does that kind of punishment. That's torture. It's fucking torture. It's not punishment. It's torture. And, you know, there was a reason why they still had her three days past time, you know, like, because they were not done torturing her yet. Um, it took a, a, several years, but they finally got convicted on second-degree murder, which the prosecution really wanted first-degree. But in order for it to be first-degree, three one of three things had to be in effect, one of which was um, if you could prove, you know, com- uh, um felonious confinement or something like that and it had never been done in a child abuse case in canada um but anyway so these two idiots kept appealing and appealing and finally it got to the appeals court and the appeals court upgraded their conviction to first degree murder they took it all the way to the supreme court of canada and canada upheld it and they got 25 years with no chance of parole. I hope that the Canadian prisons are just like the United States prisons where baby killers get, don't last long. I really, really hope so because these two assholes, <laughs> evil, like, uh, hmm. I mean, they never showed any emotion that for the loss of her, they never showed, they just, they just basically cared about each other, you know, and, and, and they're. When she died, even the the chief detective said, you know, normally, whenever it's a biological parent and a step-parent, the biological parent can't get past the loss, whatever, and it ends up dividing these two, and they end up splitting up more often than not. But this brought them closer together because they shared in the lies, and I'm just, you know... Like, I might have screamed and hollered at my kids a lot, all the time, but... That was it. I mean, like, I can't imagine being that angry at anyone, no matter how old or what size. To Four days of torture? Four days of torture? That would be rough for an adult, but a six-year-old? And y'all, look, if you, if you get a chance, go watch the, at least the first episode of this series. She was just the sweetest little thing. I mean, oh, I'm just going to start crying all over again, because... It's and you know, I mean I tell y'all all the time about how how the triggers sneak up on you and that's exactly what her mom said. She said, you know, that that it just comes out of nowhere and you never know how when it's gonna come, you never know how hard it's gonna come, you never know. She said, you know, she could be in the middle of Walmart shopping and there'll be a song in the background. <laughs> and that's what I always say, if there's a song in the background, you don't really know you hear it, but you hear it. And next thing you know, you're sitting on an empty shelf with a, a, a cashier rocking you because you're hysterical. And you, when you come to, this is what scene you're at. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's not, it's probably not the same thing, but the loss of a child is the loss of a child. And I just can't. I'm just fixing to watch the second episode where it's also another child, and I just don't even know if I can take it, (laughs) y'all. I really don't, but I just wanted to share with y'all that, that, like, (sighs) I don't even remember being in school and going to school with any kids that were being abused at home. I really don't. Like, I just, you know, because that's always been the one thing that, that, I mean, let's face it, As even as a kid, I always spoke up. Even whenever, you know, someone, a relative was, molest, had molested me and told me that he would snap my neck if I told anyone, I immediately told my grandmother. I mean, like, immediately told her. And so I feel like if, if someone was being abused at school, than I knew at school or whatever, that I would have spoke up somehow, some way to someone, you know, like... So I don't remember ever knowing about any any kind of abuse like that. Um, not to say that it wasn't happening or didn't happen or whatever, but, I mean, I just, I guess I didn't know of anybody that had gone through that, or at least if they did, That it was not anything that was obvious through, you know, like bruises or broken arms or things like that. So, I mean... And look, I can tell y'all right now that, I mean, when Taylor was born, she had so many stomach problems keeping her with her formula that, I mean, it got to the point where she would projectile vomit in her sleep. And so she had to sleep sitting up in her carrier. I never got any sleep the first six weeks of her life, like hardly ever. She cried all the time because she would eat and get her belly full, go to sleep, puke it all up, and then she'd be starving again. But and but with a stomach ache, you know, and it's like, you know, what do you, you know, until we knew what was wrong? I mean, that's why she went to table food so early. That's why Daniel did too, because like you know, I couldn't trust those formulas and I knew I couldn't breastfeed because I never ate right and I still smoked cigarettes back then, and you know, I mean. I quit while I was pregnant, but only because they made me sick. Once I was not pregnant anymore, they didn't make me sick anymore. And I'm sorry to say, but yes, I did start back up. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want that. I figured, yes, I know breast milk was best for the kids, but if my breast milk was going to be tainted with all that crap, then the formula was the next best thing. So that was just a choice that I made. I get a lot of flack for it, but it is what it is. So, you know, I mean, the first six weeks of Taylor's life, bless her heart. She, I mean there was one time she was sleeping in her bassinet and she was throwing up in her sleep and dude she threw up enough to uh, that would have drowned her had I not been standing there and you know I snatched her up and gave her the Heimlich she was like two or three weeks old but I didn't know what else to do I panicked and you know and so she she couldn't sleep in her bassinet anymore because it was just like a I mean it had no give like there was nothing for it was just to liquid anything would have just piled up you know and Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, it was horrible. And she would always have trouble with her stomach. Um, Daniel, too. To some degree. Not as bad as Taylor's, but, you know. And so, I mean, like... And I had my parents to help me with through her colicky stuff. And my grandmother and everybody, you know, we would just take turns. But never once did I fucking think in my head, Oh, well, I'm going to shut this kid up and just shake the shit out of her. Throw her down some stairs, you know. Or... You know, up against some cabinets or hold a lighter under her hand and burn her for 30 seconds. Like, none of that ever came into play at all. I mean, who would ever even think of shit like that? You know, like like I said, to an adult, but let alone a child. Oh my God, I can't. Like, I know there's a special place in hell for people that do shit to kids and, and animals that's worse than actual hell. It's gotta be like a thousand times worse than actual hell. Because, I mean, you know that that animals and babies and kids are—they're not old enough to know to do anything that wrong. You know, if that's even possible. Like, I mean, even adults don't like. I can't even imagine an adult that would do anything that was that harm, that warranted all that, unless it was someone who had just done that t- that same shit to a kid. You know, like let the living, let the let the parents that give a shit get in a room with the two parents that didn't And let them fucking just deal with them their own special way That's what I think, I don't know I don't know, I figure, you know, I'm a firm believer in an eye for an eye I really, 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 really am And maybe only in cases where it's either eyewitness accounts or it's proven or they confess or whatever That it's not, you know, you're not... Convicting uh, an innocent person But other than that Fuck that An eye for an eye Like you know I'm gonna do everything you did To torture my kid Only worse because you're an adult So you, your threshold for pain is probably higher So yeah You know Let you know how it feels like to, to fear for your life For four fucking days And then actually end up losing it And not to mention that what they, How much they've scarred her little brother Forever you know, like, because he witnessed all that, every bit of it, every bit of it. How do you process that at four years old? You know, like, what kind of counseling does this kid going to need for his entire life because of what happened to his sister and there was nothing he could do about it, you know? I mean, people just don't even care how they fuck up somebody's head forever. You know, it's not, is it not enough that you're torturing and killing one kid, and now you've just made it where the other kid is never going to be the same again. Ever. Like, ever. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I know there's certain things I get all soapboxy about, but I'm just so mad. I'm so upset. Like... I don't know, I don't know, I'm just, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that, you know, my God is a God of justice, and my God is a God of, of retribution, and not necessarily revenge, but just accountability, you know, like, I don't know, but narcissists don't really you know, it's always about them. And so if it doesn't directly affect their situation, then it they don't really give a shit. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox now and <laughs> try to have the next segment be something a little bit happier. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I love you all. Take care.